The Gemara is going to give another suggestion for why it is that we need the verse, the word Aleha to tell us that there is no mitzvah of Yibam when your sister-in-law is also a relative in some other way. So let's say it's your daughter, your brother married your daughter, and it's also your sister-in-law. So the verse tells us that there's no mitzvah of Yibam. You wouldn't do Yibam if your sister-in-law is also your daughter. And the Gemara is trying to figure out, well, why would I think otherwise? Why do I need a verse to tell us otherwise? So the Gemara is going to come up with another suggestion. Maybe we can use a principle called a mamatsinu. Mamatsinu is a, also a principle in the Torah, a way to derive certain laws, in which if there is one law that applies in one area, and it enough, then if there's a very similar uh, other area, so then we would apply the same law. If they're very similar to each other, then we would apply the same law. And they want to say, just like, uh, when it comes to your sister-in-law, your sister-in-law becomes permissible. That by yibam you do yibam to your sister-in-law. In general, your sister-in-law is there's a prohibition to marry your sister-in-law. Yibam in the context of yibam we say it's allowed. So then, so too So too, when it comes to your your any other relative, the example of the gemara is your your wife's sister. But any other relative, uh, you should also be able to do yibam to any other relative. Because it's very similar. These are all these all fall under the category of Krovim, of immediate family that there's a prohibition. Once we see that by Yibam we become lenient, when it comes to your sister in law, we should also be lenient with regards to other Krovim, other relatives. But the Gemara rejects this. They say, Me dummy, how could you compare between the two? When it comes to your sister in law, how many prohibitions are there? Just a regular case of Yibam? One. Potential prohibitions. There's one. It's your sister in law. In general, there's a prohibition. Yibam, the context of Yibam, tells us it's allowed. But when your sister-in-law is also a relative, like say it's your daughter, how many prohibitions are there? Potential prohibitions? There are two. A, it's your sister-in-law, and B, it's your daughter, or any other relative. So how could you compare between the two and say just because one's allowed, the other one's allowed? There's a greater stringency here. You have, two, you have to get rid of two potential prohibitions. So how do you get rid of both prohibitions? So the Gemara gives a suggestion and says, this is how you get rid of both prohibitions. They use a principle that's a general principle, which is that once we are getting rid of one prohibition, we're making one thing mutter, one thing allowed, so then we can also make something else allowed in the same exact situation. So once we're making the sister-in-law allowed, it's permissible to marry a sister-in-law, so then we can also get rid of, they were suggesting, we could get rid of the, the prohibition to marry any other relative, your daughter, if it's all in the same situation, the mitzvah of Yibam. And that's why, says the Gemara, that's why we would need the Pasuk of Aleha, the verse of Aleha, to tell us, you know what, this is really not true. But at least what one would have thought is that just like we're able to get rid of the prohibition of your sister-in-law, to be with your sister-in-law, so too, we get rid of the prohibition to be with your daughter. Comes the Gemara, uh, comes the verse of Aleha to tell us that this is not true. Okay, but the Gemara now asks, What is the source for this concept? That once the Torah tells us that one prohibition doesn't apply, so then in the same exact scenario, other prohibitions would not apply. Where, where does this principle even come from? Why would we even think that there's such a principle? So the Gemara is going to 
bring a proof that we have such an idea, that there is such a concept of a whole of history, history. Once it becomes permissible, we make it permissible for other things as well. Uh, but the it requires a little bit of background to understand the case. The case has nothing to do with Yibam. The case is about impurity in the base of Mikdash. So a little bit of a background is necessary. Anybody who is impure, it, there's a prohibition to go into uh, the base of Mikdash. However, depending on the level of impurity, the type of impurity, it, that impacts where you're allowed to go. There are really basically uh, three different uh, places uh, where, they, where you're not allowed to go. There is in the actual courtyard where everything takes place uh, in terms of the sacrifices. It's called the Azara. Uh, in the actual courtyard. And that, everyone's not, everyone's not allowed to go into the actual courtyard. Then you have Har Habais, Temple Mount, which is uh, bigger than just the actual courtyard. And even if you're impure, certain, certain impurities are allowed to go into the actual courtyard. Others uh, cannot. And then there's Yerushalayim, the old city of Yerushalayim. If you're if certain levels of impurity, you can't even go into Yerushalayim itself. If you're a Mitzorah, which is what we're going to be discussing, a Mitzorah really can't go into Yerushalayim itself. Uh, somebody who has the impurity of a Mitzorah, that's the, we mentioned this also on, uh, in, on an earlier recording, with this uh, spiritual leprosy, and they want to become pure again. So, they can't even go into Yerushalayim itself. We are going to be discussing a Mitzorah, but this Mitzorah is somebody who's really basically completed the process of purity without getting into all the details. It's a seven-day process. And then on the eighth day, he has to bring a sacrifice. He has to bring a sacrifice to complete the entire process of becoming pure. Now, in order to uh, complete this process, what he has to do, which is also something that we mentioned in an earlier recording, is they have to sprinkle blood not just on the Mizbeach, on the altar, but also on him, on, actually on him, on his, on his thumbs and other parts of the body. Um, and in order for him to do that, he has to go into the, uh, into the Antahar which is fine because it's towards the end of the process. So because it's towards the end of the process, he's allowed to go onto the, onto the Harabais. Uh, and then he has to put his, his, his fingers into the courtyard into the actual courtyard, uh, which w- itself is a, if you're impure, it's a significant, it's a very severe prohibition. That's a, it's deserving of karis if you're actually impure. But he has, to, he has to stick his thumbs, he himself is not in the actual courtyard, but he has to stick his thumbs into uh, the actual courtyard. Okay, so he's allowed to do this. As a Mitzorah, you're allowed to do this. That's what the rule is. The rule is that he's allowed to do this. However, what we're going to be discussing is a unique case of a Mitzorah. You have somebody who is a Mitzorah, but he also has, he's on the eighth day now, but on the eighth day, he gets a different impurity. Uh, it's a different impurity. He becomes a Balkari. He has a impurity based, of, based off of a seminal emission. And that causes a, a, a one-day impurity. That really causes just a, a one-day impurity. But because of that impurity, there's a certain problem which exists. Because somebody who's a balkari, somebody who has the impurity based on a seminal emission, cannot go onto Harabais, cannot go onto Temple Mount. And so how could this Mitzorah go to the courtyard? In general, he's allowed to go to the courtyard to finish off this process, uh, or to put his thumbs into the courtyard and to go onto Harabais. But how could he go onto Harabais if he has a different impurity? The Balkari, which is not allowed to go onto 
the Temple Mount. He's not allowed to go on to Harabai. So how could he do this? And the case, to make it even more complicated, is a case which is taking place right before Pesach. And there's an added factor here that we want him to do this because if you're impure, then you cannot partake in the Korban Pesach and the Pesach offering. And we very much want him to partake in the Pesach offering. So the Gemara says as follows. This quotes a Brisa here. Pesach. So a mitzorah, somebody who's becoming pure from being a mitzorah, and his eighth day where he brings the sacrifice falls out on the day before Pesach. The Ra carry Bobayom. And on that very day, he becomes a Balkari. He has a summonal emission, which gives him a certain amount, a certain impurity. Vitava, moving on to 7b2 in the Archul Vitava. Now what he does is he goes to the mikvah. So he goes to the mikvah to become pure. However, going to the mikvah doesn't make you completely pure. You still have to wait till nightfall. So he's not completely pure. So he's not completely pure yet. So he still can't really go into Harabayas. So he cannot go into Temple Mount. Amr Chacham, nevertheless, the Chacham said in this case, even though a, a different person, if, it was a, if he had this uh, impurity after going to the mikvah, he still can't go to Harabayas to Temple Mount until nightfall. But this person, this person could go in. Why could he go in? Because Mutav says the Gemara, Mutav Because it's better for him to fulfill the mitzvah of Korban Pesach. We want him to fulfill the mitzvah of Korban Pesach, the Pesach offering, which is a very important mitzvah. It's a mitzvah which, if you don't fulfill it, this is one of the very few, one of the two positive commandments where if you don't fulfill it, there is this punishment of Karis. The positive commandment, uh, the other one is Bris Mila, to have a circumcision. But it, we prefer that he perform the mitzvah of Korban Pesach, of bringing the Pesach offering. So even though there's a problem for him to go into the base of Migdal, into Harabayas, for him to go to Harabayas is a problem, to go to the Temple Mount is a problem, but we prefer that he fulfill, let him go, he'll become pure. By nightfall, he'll be able to partake in the Korban Pesach. Once night comes, he'll be able to partake in the Korban Pesach. And we need him to finish, the, the point is that we need him to finish the process of purification because of the being a Mitzorah, and that requires bringing a sacrifice. We want to come into the base of Mikdash to the Temple Mount to bring his sacrifice and to sprinkle blood on him. And so we say, better for him to come in. Better for him to come in, even though he can't come in as by being this, uh, having a different impurity of being this Balkari from the seminal emission. The Amr Rabbi Yochanan, and also Rabbi Yochanan says, Devar Torah Filo Lesbe. Shinamar Bayamar Yoshafa Bikahal. So there happens, they quoted discussion, there's a discussion, there's a dispute whether or not uh, a Tvul Yom, somebody who already went to the mikvah that day from a seminal emission, he can't, he's not purely pure, he's not purely uh, Tahor until nightfall, uh, but somebody who is at the state between going to the mikvah and nightfall is the prohibition to go into Harabayas, to go onto the Temple Mount, is that a biblical prohibition or is that a rabbinic prohibition? Uh, that's a dispute. But either way, there's a prohibition for him to go onto the Temple Mount. How is he allowed to do this? In the end of the day, how is he allowed to go? Fine, you, you want him to go to, so that he becomes completely pure from the Mitzorah part of things. right? He is, he's, there's two reasons why he's impure here. One is a Mitzorah, the other one is that he's a Balkari. And uh, we need to fix both in order to, for us to fix the Mitzurah. There seems How do you get out of this? In order for us to fix the Mitzurah, he has to go on to Temple Mount. But he's not allowed to go into Temple Mount because he has this other impurity which will last till nightfall. 
So how does he do this? This is all coming to the final point here. Matam, why is this allowed? The Gemara says that because the halacha is that the, the person who is a Mitzorah, really he shouldn't go either. He shouldn't go, definitely he shouldn't go into the courtyard. And we tell him he's allowed to put his thumbs in. And Ula's of the opinion that if you put your thumbs in, it's as if you're actually going inside. And in general, we wouldn't allow that. You, we wouldn't allow that unless you're completely pure. But this is an exception and we allow you to go. We view it as though you're not impure to put your thumbs in. We make an exception here. We make it permissible. So once we make it permissible, whole of history, history, once we make it permissible for that, it gives, allows us to make it permissible for the Balkari, because he's also, for this other impurity, for him to also go to, onto Harabais, onto, onto the Temple Mount. And that's why it is allowed, because of whole of history, history. So we see that there's a principle of whole of history, history, that once we make it permissible for the Mitzorah to go in, even though in general it will be viewed as impure, so then we also make it as though it's allowed for the person who is a Balkari, someone who had a seminal emission and became impure because of that. It's really the same person. Uh, we'd be, for, but from that perspective, we allow him also to go in. We make it completely permissible. And the point of this Gemara is just to quote this, to tell us that there's a concept that once we allow one, we allow another. And therefore, in a case where your sister-in-law is also your daughter or some other relative, we should say, we should entertain the possibility and say that just like Yibum says that it's allowed to marry your sister-in-law, it would be permissible to also marry your daughter, to do Yibum to your daughter, who's also your sister-in-law. That's what one might have thought. Comes the uh, Pasuk, the verse of Allah to tell you, no, you can't do it. But that's what one would have thought. And then the verse tells you that, no, you can't do it. You, you There's no mitzvah of Yibum when it's a close relative, when your sister-in-law is also a close relative. Okay, the Gemara is going to continue discussing uh, the uh, the this this uh, I- this idea of whole history history that once it becomes permissible, then it becomes permissible for other prohibitions as well. If it's all in the same scenario, uh, so the Gemara will discuss this idea, this concept uh, in next week's recording. But this concludes this week's recording.